Well, hello, Gathering family. We are in week four of our series we're calling When God Doesn't Move. You know, we hear the words epidemic and pandemic now on a regular basis. We hear it on TV, social media, and the radio. It's become ingrained in our head. It's become part of our new vocabulary. But I want to point something out. This virus, it not only created an epidemic, but it also revealed one. Now, make no mistake, this, this uh, epidem- the physical epidemic is a serious one, and I'm not minimizing the importance of that and the significance of that. What I am saying is that there's a spiritual epidemic that is of greater significance, a spiritual epidemic that has to do with our, our soul and our eternity. I'm talking about, of course, a hope epidemic. We live in a world that is starved for hope. You see, as Christians, we put our hope in Jesus, Romans 15, 13. But this world tends to put their hope in the world. And when the world is flipped on its head and everything is spinning out of control, all of a sudden, people are rocked. People are rattled. People are reeling from that. All the proof you need is the response. Look, people are full of fear, full of anxiety. They're rushing out to stockpile goods, guns and ammunition and toilet paper. Not sure why toilet paper, but toilet paper nonetheless. Everyone's rattled because their hope has been flipped. See, the cure to the epidemic of hope is putting your hope in Jesus. Put your hope in Jesus. And here's the thing, church. The conduit of that hope is us. It's the church. And here's the thing. Church has been dispensing hope for, since its inception. It's nothing new to the church. And honestly, the church does its best when the situation is most difficult. Second century, the Antonine Plague killed one quarter of the Roman Empire. And it was the Christians who rose up together and cared for the sick that helped lead to the spread of Christianity. The Cyprian Plague, the Plague of the Cyprian, third century, caused in part by Ebola, 5,000 people a day 5,000 people a day were dying. And what happened? Christians responded. Christians rose up and put themselves in harm's way, put themselves in the midst of danger, and they rallied everyone, and it led to the explosion of Christianity. Let me just pause for a moment and thank the people that are here, our production team and our setup team, the few people that are helping make this thing possible. They're doing the same thing. They're putting themselves out here so that we could have this come to our living rooms and all over the world. Thank you for that. But it was these plagues that that led to to this explosion of Christianity. In fact, the pagan emperor, Julian, a century later, a century after the, the, the Cyprian plague, he would marvel at how Christians cared for not only Christians, but non Christians as well. In fact, historian Pontianus recorded good was done to all men, not merely the household of faith. Sociologist, And religious demographer Rodney Stark claims that the death rates, listen to this, the death rates in communities where Christians were present were half, one half when compared to to cities where Christians were not present. Why? Because Christians were loving, because Christians are good, because Christians are benevolent, because Christians rose up out of that problem and loved people. They brought hope to people. Here's the big idea. Church, we are the vaccine. We are the vaccine because the cure lives inside of us. We have the hope of Jesus Christ. 
And a world that is broken is in desperate need of that hope, and we have the vaccine. The church is sent by Jesus. We're sent to disseminate, to distribute that hope to a broken world. We're going to see this truth in Hebrews chapter 10. Now, Hebrews was written around 65 AD. Uh, We don't know who the author was, but here's the important part. We believe it was written to the Jewish Christians living in Rome. That's important because they were under deadly persecution from the Roman emperor named Nero. Nero was their virus. The world was in chaos. Christians were being killed. God seemed unresponsive. And the writer tells us how we can bring hope in a world full of chaos. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Friends, I just want to pause. This isn't the focus of the message today, but I just want to pause and point this out. Draw our attention to the assurance that faith brings. Some of us, we were brought up in, in a, uh, a church environment. Maybe it was steeped with legalism. Or maybe this, this book of love was, 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 used, was weaponized and used to maybe hurt or manipulate you. I just want to set you free from that. God loves you. God loves you. God doesn't love you because you do more, you know. You don't have to perform for God. He doesn't love you any less because of what you did. He loves you because he calls you son or daughter. You are loved. Verse 23, hold, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur on one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as the day, as you see the day approaching. Lord, I just thank you that as we get into your word today, that you can show us how we can bring hope, this vaccine to a world in need. God, help us do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, number one. Family, we need to cling to hope. If we're going to bring hope to people, we first have to cling to hope. That's what the author is pointing out in verse 23. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. You see, what was going on is, is the folks there, the Christians there, were, were letting the situation dictate their hope. They wanted to go back to the old covenant. This whole new covenant, this whole new covenant, let's go back to the old because it seems, life seemed to be better, you know, when we had to do all the rules and the regulations and jump through all the hoops and sacrifice the animals. Yeah, that was a whole lot better. See, they were, they were, they were swerving in their hope and the author's saying, stop swerving. You ever been behind a, a driver that swerves? What do you do? You either, you either back off, let off the gas, or you try to go around them real quick. And inevitably, when you go around those people, What happens? It used to be that they were drunk. Not anymore. Now it's, they're texting, right? They got something in their hand that's distracting them. Question for you today. What's in your hand? You see, Christians, we tend to swerve as well because we have something in our hand. What's in our hand? For some of us, it's fear. This world is gripped and riddled by fear. We're clinging to fear. We're clinging to anxiety. For some people, they cling to stuff, cars, boats, houses. Other people, they they they, they, they cling to a substance that might numb the pain for a bit. And here's the thing. We're we're born with a God-shaped hole in our heart. 
And we try to, to numb the pain. We try to fill it. But there's only one thing that can fill it, and that's the hope of Jesus. It's the hope of Jesus. That's what fills that hole. And, and, and so what, what we see is, is a world that can't cling to God because we're clinging to something else, because our hands are full. I believe the virus is God's pressure point to relieve full hands. Some of you studied self-defense. You'll know that there's a, a place right here on the hand that if you're gripping something, if you push hard enough there, it will cause, that pressure point will cause the release of whatever is in your hand. Kind of like the Spock Vulcan nerve pinch. Remember that? Well, God has a way of helping us release what's in our hands. It's not just a self-defense move. It's a move of God. Heard this the other day. No movies, no concerts, no sporting events, no restaurants, no social gatherings, limited workload. God says, now that I've cleared your schedule, can we talk now? And now we can have a conversation that God wants to have. Friends, I want to tell you, we will find hope when we stop searching for hope. And we, we stop searching for hope, we start searching for Jesus. You don't find hope by searching for hope. You find hope by searching for Jesus. We seek first the kingdom of God. We seek him. And all of a sudden, he fills us with hope. Isaiah 40, verse 31 but those who hope in the Lord, not the world, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Listen to me. You want to soar? You put your hope in Jesus. You want to sink? You put your hope in the world. And, and the world, man, it's constantly trying to erode our hope each and every day. It's like waves eroding the rocks on a shoreline. Our hope is under constant attack by a dying world, which is why the author in verse 23, he says, hold unswervingly. That word hold comes from a Greek word that means to prevent from going away. Man, we got to cling to hope. We got to cling to hope. Why? Because people need to cling to us. Now, let me, let me be clear. The purest form of hope is Jesus. But People don't always know Jesus. People don't always have Bibles. People don't always go to church. And so for some people, we're the only form of Jesus they're going to see. And so we got to cling to hope so that they can cling to us. Right? They follow us as we follow Christ. And we, we hold, we cling. This is, a, this is a vice grips. It's like we got to cling. We got to cling to him. Because the way we cling to him impacts the world we're supposed to reach. We cling to him and we do this thing right. We, we don't lose heart. We don't lose hope. We can bring some people along into the kingdom. And there's a great opportunity to do so right now. We gotta cling to hope. Don't let go. If you have a, a marriage that's a wreck, cling to Psalm 71 verse 20 where, where God says he can restore it. You got a, a child that's wayward, you cling to Proverbs 22, 6 who says he can bring him back. You can't pay, pay a bill, man. You cling to Jehovah Jireh, who's the provider. You're sick. Maybe you came down with COVID-19. You cling to Jehovah Rapha, who's the healer. We gotta cling to him. And here's the good news. Our hope transcends our situation. And you may think you're, you're in a bad spot, and you might be in a bad spot. But man, it, it doesn't have to steal your hope. It doesn't have to steal your joy. 
one of my favorite movies, Shawshank Redemption. Inmate Andy Dufresne, played by Tim Robbins, just spent two weeks in the hole for playing Mozart over the loudspeaker of the prison. He just gets out and eats lunch with his friends. Listen to his conversation. Check this out. A week in the hole is like a year. I'm Mr. Mozart to keep me company. <laughs> so they let you tote that record player down there, huh? He's in here. In here. That's the beauty of music. They can't get that from you. Haven't you ever felt that way about music? Well, I played a mean harmonica as a younger man. Lost interest in it, though. Didn't make much sense in here. Here's where it makes the most sense. I need it so you don't forget. Forget? Forget that there are places in the world that aren't made out of stone, that there's a, there's something inside that they can't get to, that they, they can't touch. It's yours. What are you talking about? Hope. Hope. There's something inside they can't get to, they can't touch. Hope. Don't give your hope away. Don't let someone steal your hope because that's between you and God. And they, you can't let people steal that. So we cling to hope. We cling to hope. We fight for hope so that we can share hope because we're the vaccine. Amen. Second truth I want to point out is we got to cultivate hope. Our job as the church, as the family of God, is to cultivate hope. If we don't do it, who else is going to do it? Verse 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. That word meeting is also translated gathering. That's the base verse uh, for the gathering church. But not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. As, as the end gets near, as the day approaches of the Lord, we're not supposed to do this less. We're supposed to do this more. We need this more often. And, and listen to what he's saying. He says, don't give up meeting together. Don't miss out on someone who wants to spur you on or encourage you in love. See, God knew not to give any one of us all the pieces to the puzzle. We need each other. We are better as a family together there's something that, that I need from you, and there's something that you need from me. We are pieces of a, a big puzzle. We're pieces of a great mosaic that God is weaving together. And the truth is, church is not a, a building. It's a people. And now more than ever, we, we realize that truth, don't we? It's, it's, not, a, it's not a building. It's, it's, a, it's a collection of God's people. In fact, I want to tell you, the, one of the most powerful church gatherings I've ever had didn't occur in a building. It actually occurred in a prison. 2002, I was traveling with a, a music group and uh, we, had a, we were able to talk with the warden and they let us come into Lima Correctional Facility. Now, I've got a, you'll see a picture on your screen. There was what they called the yard and we played out in the yard. Of course, it was really challenging getting into the yard. You had to go through all this, these checkpoints and they had to check everything, check all of our equipment. It took us forever. But we got in there 
And one of the guards remarked, he said, listen, once you're inside, there's nothing we can do. The inmates are running this thing. They don't have guns, right? They only had guns up in the towers. And of course, that made me feel great as we headed in. We get in there and the stage is a boxing ring. We get in the boxing ring, get all set up. And right before we started, this very large inmate came up to me and he gets close to me and I reach out my hand and he shakes my hand and I didn't know what to say. And so as he's shaking my hand, the only, the only thing I could think to say was, what are you in for? As his large hand engulfed my little mini hand, tattoos everywhere, he looks at me and says, murder. No joke. I immediately start to think of all the ways I can die. Is he going to choke me out? Or is he going to take that drumstick right there and turn it into a shiv and just impale me? So I'm thinking of all these ways that I can die. God, help me get over that fear. And don't you know, an hour later, we had done the concert and we had led hundreds, hundreds of people, hundreds of decisions for Jesus Christ. Hundreds. And here's what I want to point out. Hope is cultivated on rough soil. I mean, I know, man, you know, we want people to come to church. We want everyone to come into a beautiful building because that's a little bit easier, right? But what if God is, is, is in part is doing this to help us realize that we got to go and be the church. All of a sudden, we can't meet in a building like normal. And he says, all right, go on and do what you're supposed to do. Hope is cultivated on rough soil. It's cultivated at work where people cuss and tell grotesque stories. It's cultivated in the gym where, where people smell and people always don't dress appropriately. It's cultivated in hospitals where people sick and dying are infected with a virus. Hope is cultivated on rough soil. The reason we come and see, the reason we come to church, we come and see so we can go and be. We gather for the purpose of scattering. It was never to be a, to a country club and just come here and hear a great message and then come back and do it all over. It was so that during the week, we would leave this place and we would go bring the hope of Jesus Christ and infect our world. That's the purpose of our gathering. We gather to scatter. We say, the church has a mission. How many times have you heard someone say that? The church has a mission. I think a better way of saying it is the mission of God has the church. We are the, the distribution for hope. That's what we are. We're, we're plan A. We have the vaccine, and God says, go, go distribute that vaccine because there are people who need it. We are carriers, friends, of hope. We are the carriers of hope, the hope that the world needs. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. In the midst of all the uncertainty, in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the fear in our society, trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to radiate. We're supposed to overflow with hope. Not worry about if we have enough toilet paper, God will provide. We'll be okay. We gotta get past our drama, get past our fear, get past our hesitation and say, you know what? There's people who really need hope. And we're the answer to that. And I have to tell you, keeping it real, just yesterday, here I am talking about hope, preaching to you about hope. And just yesterday, I missed my opportunity. 
We pulled off the I-10. Me and my daughter, Riley, were heading to a store. Pulled up to a, to a stoplight. There's a car in front of me with his blinker on. You know, you can turn right on a red here, buddy. Nope. Doesn't, waits, 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 waits. Finally, the, right, the light turns green. Okay, finally. He's Still didn't go. Like, what's going on with this jack wagon? Right? And so I realized, oh, he has his flashers on. Oh. So I put it in reverse. Go right around him. I said, well, Riley, that's a minute and a half. We'll never get back. She looks at me. She says, or we could have helped him. And here I got to preach about hope, bringing hope to the world. I said, well, we'll get him on the way back. We went to the store. On the way back, he was gone. That opportunity was gone. I pray somebody else in our community, some other follower of Christ, did what I should have done and provided hope. You see, we're the Bibles, the world's reading. Right? So not everyone owns this. Not everyone has this. Not everyone has biblical community. And so we're the Bibles. We're the delivery system for the gospel, man. We're the Uber Eats that takes Jesus to the people. And I got good news for you. Amidst everything that's going on, amidst all the quarantines that are in place, hope cannot be quarantined. I don't care what your situation is. I don't care what your struggle is. I don't care what your problem, what your circumstances, what it looks like. Hope cannot be quarantined. And I got proof for you. We issued a, a family life challenge where we asked people to worship in their homes. The Howe family took that challenge. Check out them worshiping in their home this week. How cool is that? They may be home, but they ain't hopeless. I love what she wrote in her caption of her Facebook post. She said, if you aren't finding time to do this every day, you aren't quarantining right. Thanks to our church who pours into our kids. What's she saying? She's saying, thank you for helping cultivate hope in my family. That's why we exist. That's what we're here for. And I'm seeing it not only in the home, but I'm seeing it in the workplace as well. Went to Home Depot. And, uh, man, people are being so nice. I mean, the workers are always nice because they get paid to be nice. But I'm talking about the people who are just going there to, to buy goods. They're nice. I told you a while back of, of an incident that happened at, at Home Depot when I went and got some carpet. Well, I had my wife's minivan. I couldn't fit the carpet in, so I kind of put it at an angle. And so I angled it right up there against the front windshield. And as I shut the back hatch, I heard the sound of my wife's windshield breaking. I thought, dear God, what have I done? I went around to look at the damage. Yep, I busted her windshield. So I'm there contemplating, pondering how I'm gonna drive this thing home. And more importantly, how am I gonna try to explain this to my wife? And just as I was contemplating this, an old man walks by and says, you know, you could have stuck it out the window. (laughs) To which I wanted to reply, buddy, I'll tell you where to stick it. But I didn't, because I love Jesus. But now, now everyone's nice. Oh, you need help loading that into your car? You know, I'm backing out. Oh, you go first, right? There's hope that's being stirred, hope that can't be quarantined in the home and in the workplace and in church. 
you would think, you would think that this whole thing would put a damper. This whole thing would compromise the way we do ministry, right? Oh, no, 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 no. This has been a catalyst for the church because our hope cannot be quarantined. Our normal week, we have about 650 people come and worship. That's awesome, especially for a church a year and a half old. Praise God for what he's doing. But this whole thing, this whole virus, caused us to have to begin to Facebook live, begin to live stream. And last week, instead of having 650 people watch our gathering, we had, we're up to, we're going to show a graphic, but we're up now, even the graphic's old, we're up to over 20,000 people who watched our gathering this past Sunday. Are you kidding me? From 650 to 20,000. But here's the thing. It's not just 20,000 because the average American home has 3.14 people. And so the numbers, more realistically, closer to to 60,000 people who watched this church point people to Jesus. (laughs) We had a church contact us in North Dakota. They saw our video we did of No Longer Slaves, that song, which by the way, that's got over 50,000 views. They asked us, they said, can we play this for our church to start our church service? And then they asked us, can we show it online? I said, of course. We have a little graphic that's coming up where they were thanking this church in Surprise, Arizona for what God is doing. Then we got Brad Altmeyer. He serves. He had to he didn't have to. He chose, with other brave men and women, he chose to go serve over in Kuwait. Thankful for him. His wife, Annette, they're, they're separated by distance, but they're able to, he works the night shift over in Kuwait in the Air Force. And so they're able to watch the service together and communicate. And not only that, but he Bluetooths the service so that all the fellow soldiers get to hear this message of hope. Hope can't be quarantined. And our ability to dispense hope is greater now than it's ever been. What I want to encourage you to do this week is capitalize on the quarantine. Capitalize on the quarantine. We have been running fast. And let's be honest. Many of us would acknowledge we, we need to slow down. God gave us a gift. He helped slow us down. That's a gift. I mean, next to salvation, one of the greatest gifts we can have is is the gift of time. And so he's forcing us to slow down. And and what he's doing, I believe, is he's saying, fill your cup up. Many of us, our cup is empty. If we're honest, man, we're we're running, we're running, and and we're just empty. When your output exceeds your input, your upkeep will be your downfall. We're empty. And God's saying, I want to fill you up. Capitalize on the quarantine. Fill your cup up. Maybe it's reading. Maybe it's just praying. Maybe it's taking a walk and, and just looking at the stars and, or, or looking at the sun that's 93 million miles away and it warms us, but it doesn't burn us. Like contemplate, how, how did you do that, God? How'd you? Fill that cup up. Psalm 60, or Psalm 46, 10. David said, be still and know that I am God. There is a a knowing of God that comes through stillness. There's a preparation that God wants to do in your life, but it doesn't come when we run 100 million miles an hour. It comes as we slow down, as we be still, 
and we center our hope on the author and the perfecter of our faith. Fill your cup up so you can pour out to others. And what comes out, when you fill up with Jesus, what comes out is Jesus. Cultivate hope this week. I don't know what cultivating hope looks like. I know some of y'all aren't at work. I know that the circumstances are more difficult for, for a lot of us. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I promise you, God will give you an opportunity to cultivate hope, to speak hope, to speak life into someone in the midst of, of what you're going through. Maybe it's a text, maybe it's an email, maybe it's a, a, a post on social media. Whatever it is, speak life, speak hope. For me, it was spending an hour or two with my son and help him build a spud gun, a potato launcher. For me this week, it was also starting Worship Wednesday, which we're gonna do next Wednesday, Wednesday at 6 p.m. You can see it online where we worship together. In Florence, Italy, there's a museum of Michelangelo's less famous sculptures. It's filled with these incomplete sculptures that were partially finished. They're... Uh, they're figures that are trapped in marble, like trying to break free. He actually nicknamed them captives because they are trapped in stone. Here, in fact, you'll see the Atlas Slave, one of these works of art that he never finished. Today, if we're honest, some of us feel much like the Atlas Slave. We feel trapped by this situation, by this problem, by our circumstances but I want to encourage you. God is at work and he is shaping us into the works of art he knows we can be. With every stroke of the master's chisel, he is chipping away from us. And I know sometimes that's painful. I get it. But he is chipping away at us. He's, he's taking off those rough edges. He's shaping us into the men and women He's called us to be. He's setting us free. Free to be the church, to be the pieces of the puzzle that collectively come together in unity and make such a sweet and beautiful noise for the kingdom of God. Ray Baldwin said this, the gospel not only hinges on the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but on the church's ability to authentically, sincere, sincerely, genuinely share that hope through broken and messed up people. Friends, we're not perfect. Friends, I'm not perfect. We're all a little bit messy. We're all, have, we're all, we're all works in progress. But Jesus said in Matthew 5, 14, he said, you, you're the light of the world. Oh, God, but I'm imperfect. He says, I know. I'm chiseling away at you. Uh, you're a work in progress. He said, you're the light of the world. Dan, you're the light of the world. Mike, you're the light of the world. Janet, you're the light of the world. Chachi, you're the light of the world. We, you're listening from home. He says, you're the, you're the light of the world. He says, you carry hope. We carry hope. We are the vaccine. Friends, if you want to know Jesus, I just want to give you an opportunity. Wherever you're at, you can know Jesus. It's the free gift. He paid it all on the cross so that we could be together forever, so that you could spend eternity with him. 
wherever you're at right now, you can know him and know that when you, when you die, you'll be instantaneously in the presence of God. All you have to do is accept him. All you have to do is pray this simple prayer. Say something like this. Jesus, I need you. And today and this day forward, I will put my hope in you. I will trust in you. Forgive me for my past mistakes. Thank you for seeing the goodness that's in me. Thank you for seeing the person I can be through you. I give you my life. I belong to you. I am your child from this moment forward. Friends, if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says there's, there's a celebration going on in heaven. There's a celebration going on on your behalf because you made that decision. And if you made that decision, do me a favor. Put that in a little comment on Facebook so we can be excited and celebrate with you or contact us privately. You can contact us at connect at gatheringchurch.org. Also, if you want more information or you want to find out a little bit more about a church, reach out to us at connect at gatheringchurch.org. A special thanks for all those people who prayerfully and financially support the ministry of the gathering. We couldn't do it without you. This week, I want you to go out and I want you to be the church, to take that vaccine of hope out to a world in need. Have a great week. God bless you.